Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we're covering what was a fun game and then was a not fun game, but ultimately because of an awesome fourth quarter run spurred on by Emmanuel Quickly, a very fun game, very fun win for the Knicks, 113 to 94 over the Bulls. And Gavin, I think there's a lot to get into with this game. Yeah, Alex, it was it was a real up and down affair. Julius Randle, an absolutely dominant fourth quarter uh, to cap off a really good effort by IQ and seal this game. We'll get into that. Some fireworks from RJ Barrett, Reggie Bullock, and the fourth quarter run that was right now on Locked on Knicks. You are locked on Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Tuck, tuck left. Now fires it. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app and join Gavin and I this week, today, as a matter of fact. At 5.30 p.m., we will be live on the Locker Room app. It's the best place to talk sports, and it is changing the way we talk sports. Again, join us today on Locker Room at 5.30 p.m., to talk with us for our Fan Friday episode, which we'll put out tomorrow as an episode featuring all of you. It's it's always super fun. We've had a great time doing it for these four or five weeks we've been doing it so far. So can't wait to see you there. Uh, I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's website, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land in your web browser. He is Gavin Shaw, play-by-play man by day, podcaster man by night. And we are recapping this amazing comeback sort of win by the Knicks. I don't know if you can call it a comeback. They only they only managed to fall behind by like one point. But even that was unacceptable. Uh, the Knicks went up by 18 in the first quarter behind just some really inspired play. It seemed like they came out with a vengeance, you know, just saying, you know what? We might have lost last game and our win streak might have been over. But we're, we've come out of the other side of this win streak, a different team. We're going to take care of business against these bad teams. We are a, you know, top four or five playoff seed in this conference. And we're going to, we're going to make sure that the Bulls and everybody else knows it. And it really, it really seemed that way at first, you know, Julius Randle and RJ Barrett by themselves outscored the Bulls in the first quarter, 22 to 19. Uh, Just a fantastic effort from both of them. Well, I'm sure we'll talk a little more about their individual moments in a minute. Cause I, especially from RJ, there was some really, eye-popping stuff in that first quarter. Uh, but then, you know, the Knicks did the thing that the the pre-win streak Knicks did far too often, which was they gave up a huge lead and let the Bulls get back into it to the point that the Bulls multiple times in the second and third quarter managed to either draw even or even pull ahead by a point over the Knicks, which was concerning uh, because you just, uh, you thought that this was going to be an easy one for the Knicks and then all of a sudden they just, started pooping their pants on the court and just they would get back out by five, six, seven points and then lose that lead again and then get back out again by a few points and then lose that lead again. And they just could never put together that run to put the game away. That is until the beginning of the fourth quarter 
where Emmanuel quickly with 11 points in the fourth quarter on this fantastic run led the Knicks on a 15 to two run, which ultimately gave them that cushion they needed. Uh, and then Julius Randle and most of the starters got back in and that was all she wrote for this game. Uh, the Knicks put this one away, end up winning by 19 points. And Gavin, I, there's plenty to talk about. Uh, what do you want to talk about first? Is it the something big picture, maybe one of the players to start with? I certainly would not say no to talking about quickly to start with here. Yeah, I think I, I think I might go a little big picture, Alex, because I, I just I, I at no point did I really expect the Knicks were going to lose this game. Chicago uh, without Zach Levine is, is just kind of a rudderless team. Um, but I, I did expect it um, when Chicago made that run in the second quarter for it to be a really unsatisfying win and one that just sort of left you lukewarm and saying, all right, they, they kind of, they took care of business, but this, this was another, this is a really bad night after all the momentum and electricity of the win streak. And, and like this Knicks team has done all year, they continue to surprise me. They continue to surprise everyone. And they, they turned this into what was ultimately a pretty satisfying win. And I think that was because there was real progress made in terms of the usage of the bench and, and just the fact that Tibbs trusted the bench to hold the lead. And Tibbs has been pretty good, even when um, like IQ or OB have had their struggles for playing them for those consistent seven or eight minute stretches, unless something is going really catastrophic, he's kept them in. But in the fourth quarters, he, he tends to go back to his bread and butter down the stretch. So Julius Randle is always checking in no later than the six minute mark. But um, on a night where, where IQ allowed them to separate with, with those 11 fourth quarter points, that super deep three, and then some, some really cagey foul baiting um, to, to quietly build that lead. Derek Rose finally got it going. Obi Toppin, we, we could save this for later. We could talk about it now. Had the play of his young life with, with that putback dunk of his own miss. And you could tell Tibbs was like, hey, we're rolling. And with Randall tonight, even though he had a really good game and it, it was a really good game because of what he did down the stretch, I thought for the first three quarters, the Knicks were a little bit too heliocentric and it kind of encouraged Randall's worst tendencies in terms of taking bad shots. I thought RJ was, was kind of hot and cold throughout. And Tibbs was like, hey, this bench unit is, is bringing what, what I'm begging for every single night. And, and that's consistent basketball. They're doing their job. They're separating. Julius, I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm very quick to blame fatigue with him, but I'll continue to do it to some extent because it's been obvious. So, I mean, in the last few weeks, I'll, I'll go so far as to say that he hasn't been getting to the basket enough. And it hasn't mattered because he's been shooting so insanely well from three and on long twos. But tonight, it, it was coming back to bite him just a little bit. And I, I genuinely think that extra minute or two and the momentum the bench generated made all the difference. And you have this exhausted bull squad. And then they see Randall come back in the game and he just ripped them a new one, getting to the rim time and time again, making those few threes to really cap it off. But it was the fact that he was he was getting to the basket that seemed to really demoralize Chicago and all but seal this game. So I think it, it was a win for the bench guys. It was a win for Randall and it was a win for Tibbs. And, and it was a really satisfying win for all of us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I... I, I was I was sort of with you and not feeling like they were going to lose. But maybe it's I mean, we talk about sometimes I feel like maybe we say it before the show more uh, about like the PTSD of being a Knicks fan sometimes where you're just like you kind of expect the worst sometimes. And I don't know what it was about this game. Maybe it was just how lackadaisical they seemed that I just at least until they turned it on the fourth quarter, obviously. And at the beginning, they they seemed anything but lackadaisical. But you know, I just kind of, I almost felt like they were going to blow it at one point or another, but 
ultimately, I was really glad they didn't. Once they started going on that run in the fourth quarter and quickly started feeling it, I, I kind of had that feeling of like, oh, yeah, this is this is in hand. But I did get a little worried, mostly in the third quarter, because I was just kind of like, Ugh, if they can't they can't pull themselves out of this rut. And if this continues being kind of close going down the stretch, like, I mean, we've already seen Kobe White rip the Knicks hard out before uh, we've seen Vucevic have really big games against them and, and hit big shots and stuff. So it, uh, it, it wouldn't have surprised me had it been a close game. If, if someone like Kobe White would have hit a, a killer, you know, three or something to put them away down the stretch. But thankfully we don't have to talk about that because it didn't happen. Uh, and the Knicks wound up coming out ahead in this game. I think we should definitely talk about some of those individual performances though. But first, I'm just going to remind everyone that today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. And it is the best place to buy auto parts for your car or truck. Why is that? Well, I mean, I'm sure you've been to one of the brick and mortar auto parts stores before. It's no fun. They never have the part in stock. They ask you a bunch of questions you don't know the answer to. They charge you an arm and a leg for the part that you want. And, you know, by the time that you finally go through this whole ordeal of getting it, you kind of ask yourself, would I have just been better off going to the mechanic? Because I think it would have cost about as much and I wouldn't have had to do it myself. Because the whole point of doing car repairs yourself is to save money, you know, and also to have a little fun with learning something new, but mostly to save money. And so that's where rockauto.com comes in. They have everything that you need for your car. For example, there's a fuel pump assembly for an 05 to 2010 Honda Odyssey that you could get for $354 at Advance Auto Parts. And it is just $216.79 at rockauto.com. That is not an insignificant amount of savings. That is $140 difference on that part. And you don't have to go through all the hassle of getting it. And it gets delivered right to your door instead of having to go pick it up at a store later. That's the magic of rockauto.com. On top of it, it's not like they don't have any customer service associates there. They have plenty of people to take care of you. They're a family-run business that's been in business for over 20 years, serving customers exclusively online. So you know that they know how to take care of you if you need the help. But otherwise, you're free to just shop at your leisure from your couch. And that's how all shopping should be done, in my opinion, at least after a year of the pandemic where I realized how much I like online shopping. Uh, So if you want to check out what's available for your car or truck, go to rockauto.com right now. Check out all those parts. And if you decide to order one for yourself, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right. And we're back to locked on Knicks recapping this amazing 113 to 94 win over the Chicago Bulls. And Gavin, the person that I want to talk about next is R.J. Barrett. And, you know, it's it, we sort of talked about Quickly's heroics, um, you know, and maybe there's still more to be said there. Julius Randle had another somewhat quiet 30-point game, 34 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. I'm sure we're going to have some more to say about him. Maybe Nerlens Noel and his nine stocks in this game, just <laughs> the stock king, Nerlens Noel. He's like the Wolf of Wall Street. He's He gets all the stocks. Uh, but I think R.J. Barrett it maybe had the two most wow plays to me in this game, and that's why I want to talk about him here. Finished with 22 points, seven rebounds, six assists, two steals, one block. You want to talk about the stock king right there. That's three stocks. Uh, nine of 15 shooting, three of five from three. 
Uh, didn't get to this free throw line much, but who cares? What am I griping about? The the two big moments to me, Gavin, that stood out as developmental, I wouldn't say milestones. They happened, you know, it was two things he did one time, you know, so it's not like it's uh, something he's been doing consistently, but good things for the future, potentially. One, uh, he had the ball and got uh, Vucevic switched on to him and was sort of on the left block a little bit and then had the wherewithal to dribble back out and dribbled himself out to the corner. Vucevic didn't cover him super well, so RJ was kind of dribbling around out there. Vucevic, based off the scouting report, was probably thinking, okay, I'll I'll play him in a little bit because he doesn't shoot a lot of pull-up threes. Um, You know, He's probably going to try to drive on me or get by me. And RJ said, oh, (laughs) you think that's what I'm going to do? I'm going to shoot a pull-up three. And he made it. He made a a more or less corner uh, spot-up, or sorry, pull-up three from the corner there. And that was awesome. That was like one of my favorite moments of the game for RJ. Uh, And I have a hard time choosing between that one and his other great moment where I I think it was uh, Jonathan Macri noted on Twitter, he, he quoted like my highlight from the Strickland said, I don't know if we've seen this from RJ this year. I I think we've seen something similar to what I'm about to describe, but I don't know if we've seen the exact move. Uh, Basically he dribbled in, got deep post position and then did like a a honestly very advanced level move, which was uh, planted, got on his pivot foot on his right pivot foot, kind of pivoted back a little bit and faked like he with his left hand that he was gonna make a pass uh like behind his back sort of maybe to a cutter or to someone out at the three-point line whatever and then real quick pivoted back hit a nice little baby hook right there in the lane it was a gorgeous gorgeous play uh i would strongly recommend watching the highlights of those two because i thought that they were honestly they, they made my eyes pop out a little bit about like, oh, these are not things that RJ does on a day-to-day basis. And if he could start adding stuff like this to his arsenal, we're just looking at the latest, you know, entry in the RJ Barrett could be a star handbook, you know, that <laughs> or whatever, you know, uh, anthology, I don't know, that, that we're leading towards of him eventually becoming a star. Because I thought that those were two really awesome moments, Gavin. And I don't know, it, you know, obviously he, he put in 22 points, that was five of them. Uh, but, you know, he said he had some other good moments, you know, of the more quote unquote garden variety fair, had a really nice transition dunk at one point, um, had a nice layup at one point as well, where he sort of bullied his way in after he'd just gotten reamed out by Tibbs, uh, who had been forced to call timeout because RJ got beat back door twice in the third quarter. And uh, yeah, all in all, it was, it was a fantastic game for him. But those two two moments really stood out to me on the tape there. Yeah, I, I I mean I want to go back to the play where he hit the the three. I I just thought it was insanely high basketball IQ on the play because you could part of it was like this was a really stupid mistake by the Bulls defense, but offensively, and I, I think sometimes guys don't do this enough. You can seek out defenders in semi transition, and you can sort of find your own mismatches, and that's what RJ did because he dribbled the ball right at Vucevic, and Vucevic, I mean, like, like you're a basketball player, what, what, what is your instinct in that situation? It's like, all right, I guess I'm the one to stop him. And th- instead of rushing and going to the rim where Vucevic has the advantage or at least or at least has a chance to contest, RJ's like, all right, he's on me. I- I'm going to dribble out. They don't have time to, like, do a scram switch, so I'm just, I'm just going to pull out, and I can either go to the rim or pop a three in his eye. And last year, the only option on that play for RJ, early this year, the only option on that play for RJ would have been try and get to the bucket on him. Um, and, and it's interesting because I, I thought there was, there was a fun contrast 
where uh, not not to call it uh, Peyton, who I actually thought was decent when he was in the game, but there, there was a play where Peyton got Vucevic on, on a similar uh, mismatch, and he had him at the elbow, and he could have taken a pull-up, but Peyton can't shoot, so he went to the rim, and he got blocked. RJ, all of a sudden, one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA, popped one in Nikola Vucevic's face. Great, great play, to your point. And, and then for the rest of the game, I, I just thought, um, and, and RJ continues to be really effective at this, um, it, it's, it's interesting to to kind of guess like how high his best career scoring season will be because he's so good right now at, at just like kind of like thrift shop finding buckets. Like he'll, he'll, he'll make a three when Thad Young gets injured on a play um, or he'll hit a three in transition when uh, Busevich is on the other end um, arguing a call. It might've been Garrett Temple on, on the particular play I'm talking about. And he, look, he, he didn't, he, he didn't always, like, this wasn't a complete game from him. To your point, he got backdoored a couple of times. He had another play where he helped too far into the lane and gave Garrett Temple a wide open three. Right after that, Lowry came down and got an and one over him, which wasn't really his fault. It was just sort of a mismatch. Um, so it, was, it wasn't necessarily one of his best games of the season. But to your point, there are all these moments from him where he's, he's using his newfound skill to create these really, really impressive buckets. And you combine that with just, like, the dumpster diving that he does it, it adds up to these 22 point nights and as he continues to get more skilled as that shot gets better as he gets more athletic as he gets better finishing around the rim if he can do that plus maintaining all the little stuff it, it's going to be really really exciting to see where he tops out as a scorer but Alex I, I maybe delayed the inevitable long enough let, let, let's talk about quickly that Emmanuel oh, I did it my bad guys um that Emmanuel quickly run uh after the break we should, we should talk about that manual quickly run because I have to tell everyone about betonline.ag. Um, if you want to bet on the Knicks winning big, and because they've had so many great fourth quarters recently, it keeps happening. You can do so at BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. This week has tons of sports action on the go as the NFL draft is on and the Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sports news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoff. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if it's a very big if. Use our promo code Locked On. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we are back, locked on Knicks, as promised. Alex, let's get into it. I'm, I'm going to throw it over to you because you seem particularly eager to talk about Emmanuel quickly and what a spectacular fourth quarter it was. 11 points, and it only ended up being like six minutes because he got into foul trouble, but he, he basically single-handedly put a cap on this game. Maybe the door was slightly open and Julius Randle had to slam it shut, but I, I think it's fair to say that he he essentially won this game for the Knicks in the fourth quarter. Yeah, between he and Obi Toppin, I mean, the two rookies won this game. It's kind of cool uh, because they during that run, I th- actually, I think all of the points during that run were scored by Emmanuel Quickly or Obi Toppin, now that I'm really sitting back and thinking about it. Uh, and Quickly just, he did what he does, except for sort of not. You know, it was a little different. You know, he he didn't hit a lot of threes in this game. He did manage to hit one during that stretch, uh, but he only went one of five from three in the game so that he wasn't really doing his thing where he just comes in and hits like three threes in a row. And that's enough to, you know, affect the game positively. Um, 
he was kind of scoring in a variety of ways. He hit a baseline floater at one point. He hit um, another floater sort of in traffic. Uh, it was a pretty varied performance from him going down the stretch. And more importantly, like he just, he turned the switch on. I don't know. He just, he wasn't feeling it throughout most of the game. Uh, you know, obviously only ends up with 13 points in total. Uh, and I thought he played a really crappy first three quarters, if we're being honest. Like I really, his first half, him and Rose both just seemed really off. And Rose never did quite figure it out in this game in total. Uh, although he he had some good like distributing moments down the stretch. But, you know, Rose just really wasn't feeling it from a scoring perspective, but quickly wasn't feeling it from really a scoring perspective or a shot selection perspective, you know, in this game uh, for large parts of it until the very end when it really mattered. And that was ultimately all that mattered. We got to see the return of fourth quarter quickly, which is key, you know, in these certain situations, because this game afforded Julius Randle quite a bit of rest. So, I mean, he, (laughs) I always say it sounds silly because a lot of players, you know, don't even come close to scratching this, but he only played 36 minutes in this game. That's a few off of his season average and certainly far off from, I mean, a lot of games lately, Julius has been tasked with playing 40 or more minutes. Uh, just to keep the Knicks afloat most of the time, which RJ Barrett did in this game. And, you know, we already gave him his flowers sort of for this game, but that's one last thing we didn't really mention. He played 42 minutes out of this game and played a lot of time with both the first and second units uh, and helped both of them greatly. But, you know, quickly just, he, he energized the team. You know, it's, it's just more of the same from him in a way, like 13 points in 16 minutes. That's almost a point per minute. Again, that's, that's what we see when Quickly's at his best. And he really brought that in this one. Uh, I don't know if you, I'm sure you want to talk about quickly too, but I'll just give my shouts to top in real quick too, for his two plays. I mean, he only scored four points, but they were probably the most entertaining four points of the whole game. Uh, one was he had a, 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 a transition opportunity and just got out ahead of the field. Rose hit him with a picture, perfect alley-oop. He got way high up and uh, dunked the ball there. And then the second one, was definitely the most impressive, maybe one of the most impressive plays of his whole career so far. He drove in, clearly was, uh, I think it was uh, Markinen was, or uh, AKA Markinen or Markinson, <laughs> according to Clyde Frazier. Clyde had it right for the first like five minutes of the game. And then, or the five, first like five minutes that Markinen was in and then just reverted back to Markinson and Markinson. <laughs> I, I don't know why. It's, it's, it's I, not, but it's not just names with him now. It's, it's, it's heights too. He's just like, like I or, or, or I might be conflating with Richard Jefferson or, or someone saying RJ was like six nine or something. That was Richard Jefferson. Okay, yeah, but then, was... but today he was like I think he called Kobe White like six three and Mike's like well well he's six five but still impressive that he got that high. <laughs> I'm just always I'm like dude the sheet's right in front of you. What do you, I feel like he's like eyeballing it every time. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly always an adventure with Clyde. I love him so much. But anyway, uh, Obi was going at Markinson uh <laughs> driving baseline and um and it looked like he was trying to posterize him but but Larry did have good enough positioning to not allow that to happen so Obi smartly adjusted in midair and tried to turn it into sort of a finger roll and get around uh Markinson there and uh it just it it didn't quite go in you know he didn't quite have the touch but then he just had such a brilliant second bounce uh you know the ball like kind of hit back rim and then was on its way off the front again. And Obi just as quickly as he hit the ground, jumped back up and got up high enough to jam it in. 
uh, just in that quick little, you know, half second burst there. And that was awesome. I thought that was a really impressive display of athleticism from him. And uh, just an overall smart play. First off, to not try the dunk that was not going to work out and try to adjust in midair and turn it into a layup. And then to have the wherewithal to follow it and the athleticism to pull off following it in like a half second. I, it was a very impressive play for me from him. Yeah. But I'll throw I mean, it to you to talk about Obi and quickly. I kind of just monopolize both of them. No, no, no. It's, it's all good. I, I'm, I'm excited about both, too. I mean, the sheer athleticism on, on that play from Toppin, it was it was nuts. And for um, the people who, who were counter to, to me specifically, when I, I, like, I mean, throughout the year have, like, said at different points, like, yeah, I just, I really, like, I want to believe in Obi, but I just don't know what his avenue for success is. Um, if, if there was an element I was underrating, I mean, it was one, that his defense has been way better than we thought it would be. Um, but two, the, the even bigger thing is he still has this nutso athleticism. And, and this is, I mean, the play that he made tonight is what we haven't seen all that much this year. Like you see the dunks in open space, which are all well and good. But in the NBA for that, for like the slam dunk champion athleticism to be functional, it has to come in the form of those quick, powerful second jumps. And we saw that from Obi Toppin tonight because there's there so many guys like Derek White is sort of in the middle of this, but I even think of someone like, if I'm remembering correctly, Terrence Ross, who was, who was in the dunk contest and so many people in the dunk contest over the years. And then, or Anthony Simons is a really great example of this. Like, what was it? He had, he had like one dunk in his career going into the dunk contest this year. It, it, it's all these guys who can theoretically jump out of the gym, but need an open floor and like perfect situation to pull it off and, and, and to utilize it. Um, and Obi, we're seeing more and more it's coming into play in functional parts of the game, the rebounding, the putbacks, um, the creating second opportunities, which he which he did again tonight. Heck, he even he even showed him some athleticism uh, poking the ball out of the top of the backboard with the broom. Uh, it was it was a really is another fun night for Obi Toppin. And I, a lot of people are pointing this out on Twitter, but you can tell Tibbs is starting to build more faith in him and saying, I can keep him in for longer stretches in these fourth quarters and on a night where Derek Rose didn't play that well, I, I want to continue to give him credit. Ian Begley had a story about it today, how he like continues to like encourage OB and IQ and talk to them before and after every game. But you just see the chemistry so readily on the court, like set him up. I, I mentioned it earlier, but set him up again with that no look alley-oop, but it's not even just the obvious, like the, the, the passes to Toppin. It, it's what he does for quickly every single night. Like the bucket that initially got quickly going, in the fourth quarter was because Rose drove. He, he put the defense in a blender. Then he kicked it out to IQ. And what we've seen from IQ s- so much this year is that he occasionally has trouble winning cleanly off the dribble against the stationary defense. But when a defender is sprinting hard out on him after Rose sucks, sucks in the defense, um, he's able to leverage the threat of his shot. And he's just, his first step is just too fast for most defenders to set their feet and slide with him. And he ends up getting right into the lane um, that time uh, hit hit a straight on floater, and um, from there it was. I mean, it, it was it was essentially all over. And I I mean, you want to just talk about veteran savvy from IQ. I, I really love this. He he had the one play where he drew a foul because he got Tice on him in transition, and, and Obi like I think a lot of times like I mean when you see Obi not playing, it's because of moments like this. Like Obi's coming over to set a screen, um, because Obi he's like a lot of times when you're a rookie you're just doing stuff on instinct, right? Or, or you're doing stuff out of routine. You're saying, oh, I always set a screen in this situation. Let me just try to be helpful. But IQ is smart enough to wave him off and be like, no, nah, no, nah, I already I already got the switch. That's the whole point of setting the screen in the first place. And he, he toast ties, gets a foul, um, then gets um, Thomas Sadoransky on him. And Sadoransky played really, really good defense. It was a play where quickly actually, like he tried to get him in booty jail, but he over dribbled a little bit. And instead of giving up, 
uh, quickly just just hangs in the air, waits and waits and waits, and eventually Sadoransky loses patience and brings his hand down, and it's a foul because IQ literally like made it impossible um, for, or excuse me, like he, he got to a point where it was impossible to make the shot, but he was all in on getting the foul. And I, I really think that's a common trait amongst the great foul drawers in the NBA. And it's incredible quickly as it's so early. It's that cunning, but it's also the willingness to like act like a lunatic. Like we saw from Devin Booker the other night, we saw Julius Randle look like he fainted when he got touched on a three earlier in the game. You have to be willing to engage in the theoretics and, and quickly he, he's all about it because he's all about winning and you, you hate it when it's, when it's a guy who's not on your team and you, and you love it when it's a guy that's on your team and, um, and it worked out for quickly. Then he brings the ball up and just has the audacity to launch that 30 footer from the chase logo. Mike Breen loses his mind. He tries two more. If one of them had gone in, I think, I think the, the roof and MSG would have come down. They both kind of went in and out, um, drove a closeout into a triple team to draw another foul. Um, and, and yeah, finished, uh, finished the night off with a little baseline floater off a really nice offensive rebound from Taj 11 points in the fourth quarter. And Alex, he opened the door again for Julius Randle to come in and slam it shut. Uh, I'll throw it over to you because we're 33 minutes in and we somehow haven't really gotten depth in depth uh, on the Knicks. Uh, I'll say it right now, all NBA talent, Julius Randle. Yeah. Is there really like, so let me, let me throw it right back to you just cause I'm curious. Was there anything in this game that you and this is crazy to say because he pulled out so many different things in this game. But was there anything that he pulled out in this game that w- made you say like, wow, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before from Julius Randle. Like, I feel like this was somehow a routine 34 points for him on over 50% shooting and four of seven shooting from three and six of six from the free throw line. I mean, I, I think that's just, it's kind of crazy to me just how high he has set the bar at this point. but almost everything that he did in this game to me at least was garden variety Julius Randall awesomeness you know there wasn't anything that really stood out to me as like a a oh man you know like with RJ where I talked about oh man I just saw these two plays that like blew my mind because those are things that I don't normally see from him with Julius it was just kind of like oh yeah he's just out there I mean yeah Julius Randall scored 34 points because of course he does unless he has a bad night where he only scores 20 He's like almost guaranteed for 30 points right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll go one step further. I thought it was a bad night for him until the fourth quarter. Bad night is strong, but a, a below average one. I think that he bookended a bad two quarters with two great quarters. Like his first quarter was really great too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, that's been, I, I actually, I need to, I mean, maybe someone else who, who's more entrepreneurial than me will go and do this, but I, I want to go back and track for the whole season, what his shooting percentage is on his first shot of the game. Because I feel like it's around 95%. It feels like that long two he takes within the first four possessions of every game, at least during the win streak, has gone in every single time. Um, but the, the, reason, the only reason I say that is because I thought from a passing perspective, it wasn't really a great night for him. And, and obviously, you can just look at the assist number. But more, more so than that, he was looking guys off. Like he had RJ wide open one time, and he, and he kind of instead threw it over to uh Nerland's Noel for a long two he had a number of um it, it kind of felt like last year where he was he was just spinning in into traffic and, and he had a few that should have been turnovers because of good bounces weren't but and a couple that were turnovers anyways like plays where he like even in the first quarter he got really really hot and then he just comes down and forces up like a horrible jumper and I feel like he's he's been doing that more and more frequently of late and again because he was so uh like volcanic shooting the basketball in the first and down the stretch. It didn't really matter, but it continues to 
to emphasize the importance of, or uh, maybe let me, let me rephrase that. It continues to emphasize just how high the ceiling is for Randall because he can have an, like in terms of his inclinations, he could have a night that was very similar to last year in terms of how he thought about basketball and how he perceived the game and how he played the game. And he's so damn good at shooting now. It doesn't even matter. He still plays like a superstar and scores 34 points. But it, it, it just gives you an idea on the nights when the shooting is there and like the patience and the recognition is there to just rip the heart out of a defense. He's completely unstoppable. And I, I thought that that form of Randall materialized in the final five minutes of this game, Alex, where he was really getting to the basket and still hitting those shots. Yeah, for sure. I, he definitely had some of those, I don't know if you call it a lapse in focus or just like a regression in mindset or whatever, where he started kind of playing hero ball. And he did that in the first half, you know, uh, towards the end of the the second quarter and, and just sort of uh, basically after his initial start where he, he scored, uh, I think it was 14 points in the, the first quarter today. And after that, yeah, he kind of, he scored some more points in those other quarters, but the, the process behind them was not perfect. Uh, and then down the stretch in the fourth, it was almost like IQ, you know, going crazy before he got back in, sort of just energized the whole team. And Randall, you know, finished way stronger. Like he he finished exactly how you needed him to, to just kind of put the icing on the cake here and put this one away. But yeah, I, I agree with you that it is kind of cool to, to think about just how, how well this projects his ceiling going forward, where you know, if he eliminates these bad tendencies fully at some point, he could be potentially like by next year, uh, you know, a second or I, I don't even want to say it, but maybe like a first team all NBA type, you know, caliber player. I mean, with the way that he's playing now, it, we've seen sort of a lot of the best of Julius Randle over these last, you know, I, I won't even just limit it to the, the, you know, the last 11 games, you know, where the Knicks are 10 of 11, uh, you know, you could even say a little before that, even when they were kind of struggling, Randall was playing really well. You know, he's for the better part of like a month and a half now has been playing. Like if that was all that counted for end of season awards, he would be probably a first team all NBA, uh, you know, and that's the best possible outcome for him and like where he could potentially ascend to, which is really exciting uh, I don't know for sure that he's going to completely eliminate those tendencies and become like this perfect player that we want him to be. But even if he never does, he's already now probably a third team all NBA talent. Um, and that's fine, <laughs> you know, because if if you had told either of us at the beginning of the year that he could potentially be an all NBA player and, you know, a guy that we're thinking about, oh, would he be the second best or the third best player on a championship team? Like, I, we would both be like, you're nuts. And, and then uh, probably uh, banish our future selves away from us and be like, stop trying to fill my head with lies. Uh, you're, you're clearly, this is, you're trying to do a Biff Tannen situation and, you know, change some outcomes or something. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> at any rate, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just continually blown away by Julius Randle and, and the amount of good that he uh, provides on the court, even when you weigh it against the bad, which is becoming, Less and less and less with every passing game. But Gavin, unless you had anything else to add, I think we're pretty much to our stopping point for this episode. Because um, I, I think we've covered all the major players in this one. 
and the best plays and all that good stuff. So did you have anything to add before we got off? Yeah, uh, one just one final stat from the broadcast. The Knicks are now 18-0 and at MSG this year when leading going into the fourth quarter. And I just, I thought that was, I mean, as wild as, as any other statistic I've heard this year. Because the Knicks, I mean, last year would, would find any way to, to lose a lead the rare times they had it. So pretty incredible. Testament to Tibbs. Testament to Randall. Testament to just the the intestinal fortitude uh, of this team, man. They're they're tough. They're cohesive. The role players, I say it all the time, we, we probably haven't made a big enough deal of, of Noel having nine stocks, which is just out of this world, insane, probably. I think... Um, I did. Did you? I'm, I'm sure you, you might have made it. The the tweet from the Strickland account that Noel is the sixth player since 2010 to have an eight eight three four and five game without a made three. Yeah, that was actually I think Colin that put that one up. Uh, Colin Loring, give yeah, him Colin a, Loring, former yeah. uh, near lo- locker room guest of ours. But um, maybe <laughs> maybe maybe tomorrow or maybe tonight. Excuse me, uh, Colin. Uh, anyways, uh, that's that's a good reminder. But just again, I, I think. I think it can't go because we don't always get to them because we're so amazed with what the Knicks frontline guys and what their young players are doing. But, but the veterans that are, I mean, I, I don't know, like what, what analogy you want to make to the body, like, like the bones of this team, maybe is the best way to say it. Reggie Bullock, Nerlens Noel, Taj Gibson, even, even Alfred Payton, five assists in 22 minutes, did some good stuff tonight. Um, shout out to all of them. Shout out to this team. They continue to blow my mind. Uh, the Knicks in sole possession of the four seed as you are listening to this podcast. And with that, we will wrap it up. And just a reminder, tune into Locker Room uh, today at 5.30. You can join Alex and I. Ask any question you want. You will get on the podcast. We will talk to you. We will We will even wish you a happy birthday if, if, if it's your birthday or if you lie about it being your birthday. Until next time, Locked on Knicks. Peace out. And one final thing we want to remind you, if you want to get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes, you can do so with the Locked On Today podcast. It was Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts.